You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for nine days, Edson Oda. You are being considered for the amazing opportunity of life. selected you will have the chance to be born in a fruitful environment where you can grow develop and accomplish am i dead i wouldn't say you're alive or dead are you the boss i would say a cog in the wheel (laughs) how long is this process if you make it until the end Nine days. Your senses will become unbearably sharper and stronger. (laughs) It's your new beginning. You'll never remember me or anything else that happened in this place. Ah. But you still be you. Every single day, someone hurts someone else. Every single day, someone takes someone else's life. Why are you focusing on that? Why are you not focusing on that? You've been here a few days, but you've lived every second. Are you afraid? Of what? Nine days. Nine days. Edson, how you doing today? Good, good. Really, really great to have you here, especially for this really uh, miraculous and transcended film. Um, I saw it at the world premiere at Sundance. Feels like eons ago (laughs) since I saw it there. I'm sure you're really, really happy to know that it's finally being widely released now and that people are going to finally get a chance to experience it. But Going back, where where did this idea come from? Because it's surely one of the most unique ideas for a movie I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, I think it comes a lot, the word at least, the creation of this this word comes a lot from like uh, me going through like difficult times and going through some struggles, you know, and, and uh, losing uh, perspective of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what's in front of me. And I think uh, you raised the question in my mind, like what, you know, rather than just like seeing things like uh, they're not here or not graspable as a goal, uh, what if this is the goal, you know, and, uh, and, and, and just challenge me to think like about, you know, this reality, this world where uh, we already, you know, achieved a goal of being here. And yep. um, yeah, and then I think that there was an exercise to just, okay, so this, if this is the goal, how can I, you know, take advantage of this moment? How can I, you know, enjoy more? How can I, uh, and I think the, the concept of this uh, uh, pre-life existence come from that. Yeah. So in choosing to examine pre-existence, you know, when I'm watching the movie for the first time, I'm thinking yeah. to myself, okay, nine days, nine months to make a baby. Maybe that's uh-huh. it. No, that can't be right. Because as you said, pre-existence, it, it predates all of that. So mm-hmm. in examining uh, that part of it, like where did the idea, the time frame? of nine days come from then uh-huh. yeah it, it came like i know the number nine is like so it's such a strong number mm-hmm. right? there's 
so many minutes. Um, it, it's kind of magical in its own way. And, and uh, but I never thought as a, like this is nine because of you know this yeah. because as you can see like nine months to you know to, to be born or uh, nine in terms of um, lucky things or nine like I I, I talked to like uh, I've been doing research and it's interesting how much you find about the number nine. But uh, I, I don't want to. I know there's some, you know, uh, magic about uh, about this number. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to uh, leave, you know, it open for people just to so you can just read uh, your version of the number nine. What do you think nine is? In doing like research for uh, this project and reading, I'm sure, other material and coming up also with your own ideas for it, have you? firmly cemented on what you believe pre-existence to be or is there another version of it that you also like another interpretation that you like interesting yeah no that's an interesting question you know because i don't think like nine days is literal literal at all and mm-hmm. in the sense that i see it pretty much as like a metaphor you know and in mm-hmm. metaphor in a way that you know any anyone no matter like the faith or the beliefs they could just interpret into their their own values and their own beliefs. And, and uh, uh, I, I never wanted to, to be as, you know, because I think I never thought about it in a sense like, oh, this is before now our existence here, what really happens. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about what happens. And I have some right. kind of a, but, uh, but that's why I, I don't see it as like uh, my vision of what happened. You know? Sure. Okay. I get that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the house that Will stays in, it has these old school television sets, VHS tapes. He writes on paper. He watches stuff on a projector. You know, we're, we're living in an age where everyone's using digital screens. Yeah. Why the decision to go with uh, older technology uh, to really uh-huh. Uh-huh. give this house the personality that it does? Yeah, for I think for uh, first reason, like it, it feels more connected to the nostalgia you know mm-hmm. going to it, it, there's some kind of a magic you know attached to uh things that are like uh vhs or two tvs or i think mostly because uh they they also correspond to like a period of my life that i would never have again you know there I, you see it as something that is kind of uh you know uh it was so great it's so magical you know yeah and uh very cinematic too but uh also because I see Will, you know, I see, I imagine that he died like in the 80s, more or less. Mm-hmm. And then he got in prison in that period of time. So the house represents that. that, that period. Interesting, because I was going to ask you how Will got his position. Was he appointed mm-hmm. by someone? You, you said it's like a prison. Uh, is, that, is that like kind of him atoning for what he did in his life on Earth? Yeah, he applied to the job. No, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the internet or something. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting because I, I never explain. In I think he he doesn't know to like how how he ends up, but he just he he uh, he wondered and he thought like why did they get and um, I think some some you know uh, ideas that came to his mind is okay. I've, I've been. Uh, alive i'm one mm-hmm. of the few here and everyone all the other candidates as well they're they're being alive too so i i think he thinks like oh, okay so there has to do with that and also he knows that okay i went through a lot of you know problems while i was alive i went through pain i like, went to you know some bad experience maybe mm-hmm. that's that make me uh that make me 
skillful enough or knowledgeable enough to just make selections for making sure that people like me maybe don't don't go there you know so in his head i think he feels like oh i can't choose people like me because i fail so who yeah who, who, who else better than me to just make sure they don't i don't send people like me which yeah. is not I, we, which i don't know if it's the case you know mm-hmm. uh, that he, he can't choose people like him Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Yeah, no, there's a lot of very interesting levels of interpretation and a lot mm-hmm. of backstory that the audience can fill in for themselves, which leads me to wonder, is there any interest at all in further exploring this world that you've created for nine days, maybe in another medium outside of film even? Oh, interesting. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Maybe the a prequel, like the... Yeah, <laughs> or, or but, a book or I, something. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to see a of it. Like uh, you know, you know, a play where you you can see and, and you can play projections and you can. Yeah. I think that would be very interesting. Not necessarily. It could be like it, it should be like Will could even be another character, another you know, time frame. But uh, but I thought play would be very interesting to see. You know, and there's a lot of uh play elements also uh, yeah. within the movie. Uh, we have like the scenes where he recreates the memories and yeah. they're created on like this sound stage. Mm-hmm. Where was the the house, the house itself? Where was it built? Was that on a sound stage or yeah. did you guys? It, yeah, I kind of figured it had to have been, uh-huh. right? Because uh-huh. I was like, there's no way they went out to the desert yeah. to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call a sound stage because we couldn't hear so many airplanes, you know, flying by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would call like a stage or I sure. would call it a. Um, a warehouse or something mm-hmm. like that and then we built there inside and then uh, we built the facade of the house in the desert yeah for so the exterior that, shots yeah for the yeah. exterior shots mm-hmm. which, which was like very very you know uh, impressive just seeing that you know thing in the middle of the desert absolutely yeah and then in terms of like the cast for this movie too i mean mm-hmm. you're working with some really uh, prolific actors and then yeah. also actors who i think you know, in some cases, uh, may not necessarily be um, maybe the first choice that immediately springs to mind for some people when they're thinking mm-hmm. of 
these mm. roles, but at the same time, they're all so specific because their personalities yeah. are all yeah. very different from one another. Yeah. So yeah. can you talk to me a little bit about, um, let's start off with like Winston Duke, uh, first mm-hmm. of all, like mm-hmm. what qualities did he uh, possess that made you go, he's the guy to play well? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, once I, I heard this and, and it felt like this, it, I don't know, I found that this is very true. Like it, it's, uh, sometimes is 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 better just to cast someone by what they become rather than what they are throughout the whole movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and it's interesting to see that Winston was uh, Will, the real Will, the Will that you know, without all the you know armors, without all you know the walls, he was the final Will when he was just like you know delivering that that, that yeah. monologue. So uh, with this large figure with like this big heart and like uh, this very you know. Immense, this this big human being, you know. And my job, like as director, was when it, when I met him, it's just like, oh, what I need to do is just, uh, I need to just hide it throughout the movie. I just need to, you know, uh, sit with him and you just come up with a way to just not show who he really is until the end of the movie. But we start showing like a little bit of hints of it, yeah, and uh, drawing a little bit of who he is. But then to the end, he just boom, he becomes like who. Who he is. You're referring to these explosions of emotion and passion emotion, that he has. Emotion, passion. Yeah. When he's like cares so much about Mike and he creates the experience. And he's so, you know, uh, uh, it, it's so uh, difficult for him to just see them disappear, you know, or some moments even of anger or some moments, that, all those moments of life that he's trying to just numb, but yeah. he's not able to. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was almost taken aback by hearing uh, Benedict Wong's uh, natural uh, accent because I feel like he gets cast all the time where he has to hide his uh, British accent. Yeah. Because uh, his role, I think, is uh, very interesting compared to uh, the character of Will in this and how they bounce off of one another. Can you talk to me a little bit about, uh, was that like a character that was added maybe later in the scripting process where you felt like Will needed to have somebody else there with him? Or was that someone that was always part of the story? Yeah, it was someone that was always part of the story. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was kind of a, yeah, for me, it was very important like uh, to have it, it because he's almost like Will, but other, you know, side of Will is almost like his consciousness, you know? Yeah, in a so sense you get, these, of, you get this yeah. nice dialogue between yeah. them as a result. Yeah, so he, he, need, he, he, he represents some part of this, you know, system he's in mm-hmm. and uh, and we 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 need that to make sense of things and and it's interesting you say about the the accent because even in the screenplay uh i i wrote this line asian man with british accent <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't know it would be benedict uh at the time but uh but it was very interesting because i i'm japanese brazilian i was born mm-hmm. and raised in brazil and for me it was like okay i'm I'm Brazilian, uh, but people think I'm, um, you know, they, they say, oh, but you, you don't look Brazilian and all this stuff. So I, somehow I would like to to, uh, to give a little bit different perspective of what, mm-hmm. you know, exists. You know, there's there, there are Japanese uh, uh, Asians who have a Brazilian accent, you know. So so there, there was something that I, I felt like, oh, it would be interesting to give a little, little more more. Uh, yeah, totally. And the, and the cast, I think, also reflects that uh, level of diversity and inclusion as well, which mm-hmm. is something that's really, really nice to see. The Walt Whitman poem at the end of the movie, Song of Myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk to me about the significance of that? Well, because while watching the movie the first time, I, I didn't I didn't realize it was uh, this poem. I, I ended up looking it up later uh, and finding out and realizing, yeah. oh, OK, that's what that was. But then it just like kind of dawned on me then. 
Well, why that? What what was so what was so important and essential about that poem that stood out to you? Uh, that poem society. I, I ah, the there you go. Okay. And Yelp. And uh, there's even a part of the the the. Uh, it's the same. Yeah, actually, it's the same. It's the same poem with the, the part of the Yelp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even we record some parts with the Yelp and stuff. And I think we we added some some of those parts out. But yeah, I, I really I really love the the movie. And funny thing is just like when the uh, they sometimes you know we we got the World Salt War. We who gave the award was uh, Ethan Hawke. Oh, he was in that scene with yeah, uh, uh, yeah, which is very interesting. And yeah, no, insane, that... like, talking about Walt Whitman and everything. So it was it was universe yeah. works in very mysterious ways, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always like to ask everyone at the end of our interviews here uh, what they have coming up next. And mm-hmm. for you, this movie obviously premiered a very very long time ago. It feels like at this time, so. Uh, the COVID delayed release has, I'm sure, given you time to not only sit with the movie a little bit more, but also possibly contemplate other projects. This being your mm-hmm. feature debut, I know myself and many others are anxious to know what you're going to work on next because the response to this movie has just been sensational. So <laughs> do you have anything coming up that uh, you're able to share? Uh, not really. You know, I'm working <laughs> on something. <laughs> I, I'm just writing and uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, uh, uh, I'm writing something that I, I I want to you know uh, film the the same way I, I you know we we did with nine days that feels personal and feels like you know intimate and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I'm I'm just you know writing and and seeing if I can get there and uh, we'll see it's yeah there. hopefully yeah well we're very very excited for you uh, the film is called Nine Days it will be out July 30th uh, from Sony Pictures Classics and then a wide release on August 6th. Edson, thank you so, so much for thank taking so the time much, to chat with me today. Yeah, it was great talking to you. All right. Best of luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for Nine Days, Edson Oda, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nine Days is being released by Sony Pictures Classics in theaters on July 30th and then a wide release on August 6th. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.